Welcome to Students Over Systems. I'm your host, Jenny Gentles. On Students Over Systems, we talk with the creators, advocates, and beneficiaries of education freedom. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how parents can chart a new education path for their families. For this important discussion, we're joined by Chris and Christine Stegall, hosts of the Making the Leap podcast. Chris Stegall is a nationally known conservative talk radio host, cable news contributor, and online columnist. Christine Stegall is a former public school teacher and with Chris, a parent of three children. On their podcast and their work with the Herzog Foundation, Chris and Christine encourage and equip parents to make choices best suited for their families. Chris and Christine, thank you so much for joining us today. So awesome to be with you. We're so excited. We've been looking forward to this. And don't bury the lead, Jenny Gentles. You have been our guest more than a couple of times. Uh, So we've relied on you and your show many times. So thank you for reciprocating and bringing us on. Uh, Well, this is a real treat for me because I love going on Making the Leap. It's just a fun time hanging out with you guys and having a conversation and delving into both the personal and the policy side of education freedom. Sometimes we're a little too technical at IWF. We are kind of a think tank and we do like to talk about policies and regulations and the way to write the bills and that sort of thing. But at the heart of all of this is the family and the parent knowing their child and what's best for their child and charting that education path. And that's what you guys do. And those are the conversations you have over at Making the Leap. So I'm so happy that you're here and we can have the conversation um, on this podcast. Um, Let's start with your story. You are the parents of three children and you have explored different education options. Can you tell us where you've um, sent your children to school and how the current options are working out for you? Sure. So we have, we do have three, like you said, we have one that has graduated and in, you know, college 19, figuring it all out era. Um, We have an eight, a senior, an 18 year old, and then we have a daughter who is 15 and um, our oldest two went through public school, finished and about to finish with public school. Um, And then we have our daughter who up through sixth grade, attended our school. We were living in Pennsylvania, um, just attending normal local school, and it got um, unnormal. <laughs> it became a little crazy, you know, post-COVID, during COVID. We had noticed some things over the years with all three of our kids that kind of made us, you know, take a step back. And when it got to the point that it became a little, I would say, untenable for her. She and I started, or Chris and I started talking with her, um, trying to look around, find the options, toyed a little bit with homeschooling. I kind of always had toyed with that a little bit in my head. Um, and then one day we were driving around, you know, just trying to trying to think this through. And we saw a sign for a Christian school that was about to start in our area, um, made a phone call, talked with them. And um, at the time that was in Pennsylvania, we we felt our hearts together, I would say, without a doubt, saying this is the next step. This is where you need to be moving her. And if not into that specific school, definitely be moving her out of where she was. And from that point, we ended up moving several states away just in a whole big life change. And as we did that, our daughter, who I think had been a little hesitant about switching out of her big familiar school to her, came to us and said, I I think even though we're moving, I am going to a smaller school. I still want to maybe try a Christian school. And that was all, (laughs) I think that was all we really needed to hear at that point, because we, we were in agreement with that. We, we didn't think just moving areas and moving public schools was going to fix too much. And so we started searching and within a few days, 
had her <laughs> had the paperwork in place and had her enrolled to start um, her seventh grade. And I'll tell you, Jenny, two years later, um, if we had it to do all over again, knowing what yes. we know now, and I'm sure we'll get into this in more detail about the, the podcast, knowing all we know now, we would have done this from the start with all three of our kids. But mm -hmm. that's for another story. <laughs> that's a hard thing for parents sometimes, I think, when we're like, gosh, we're so happy to see our kids thriving oh gosh, I lament that they didn't have more years in this environment that's a great fit for them. But that's the case with a lot of things with parenting, right? Like we sort of navigate with what, what we know. Um, what I'm excited about with what you're doing at Making the Leap is making sure that parents do know that they don't have to accept the status quo, that if something's not quite working, or if we're talking about something like the COVID era, something's totally broken <laughs> and absolutely unacceptable with school closures and all the disruptive quarantine policies and everything that happened, um, that the parents can start navigating through these, these different options. So let's talk about what you're offering, not just parents, but also educators with Making the Leap. And then I also want to get into kind of what you've learned, what you've heard, both from educators who are forming new education options and from parents navigating those. So Making the Leap is described as a show for parents who want to make their own decisions and a community for those who want to create a better future for our children. You, you all are discussing how parents can um, all improve and how they can make better informed education decisions. So what's the origin story of the podcast? Oh, this was fun. <laughs> uh, this is God moving. And if you're a believer, uh, you, you can see God in everything here. Mm -hmm. uh, the story Christine told uh, that led us ultimately to moving uh, brought us back to our well, my home state, where I'm uh, familiar with a lot of folks and I know a lot of folks. It, it had just so happened that uh, a couple of years prior to our moving back to Missouri, uh, a man that I knew uh, as a political friend and I knew from the political world and in, in talk radio and politics, uh, a man called Stan Herzog uh, died rather suddenly. Uh, very, very successful guy. And behind, he left uh, a fortune. Uh, what I did not know about Stan Herzog, but some of my mutual friends of Stan's knew was that he had a heart and a passion for Christian education. I did not know that about him when, when he was living and, and we were friends. What Stan left behind was a directive for his fortune that he wanted a, uh, a foundation in his name that did nothing but catalyze and further to grow and develop and support Christian education wherever it's found. That turned into the Herzog Foundation, and uh, some of our mutual friends who uh, serve as board members uh, and uh, work here in the foundation knew about Christine and I and our daughter's story and making this decision to leave public school, join a Christian school, and they said, that's the kind of story we want to tell parents. And so they said, would you be willing to do a podcast? And right away, we jumped at the opportunity because we were just full of passion for it. And I will say, uh, not to embarrass her, but Christine really was the one who was sort of the lead advocate. As so many mama bears were during that era of COVID, she was the one going to school board meetings, demanding they open up and do away with masks. Um, you know, I, I was trying to do my part on the radio, but Christine was the one doing the heavy lifting. And so it just made sense. It was a God moment where we were asked to, to tell our story. Um, for a foundation that we happen to have a close personal connection with as well. And what are we now? Almost 100 episodes into making the leap. <laughs> I think and we are just about, yeah, we're like right there. We're yeah. not experts. Heaven knows no. we're not. Um, but we knew the story of what it was to be public school parents who hear all the cliches about what Christian school or private school or homeschool is. And we heard it all. We've been through it. Mm -hmm. As I said, we wouldn't change a thing now. But what we didn't know, we realize is still 
a lot of uh, is hopefully to answer those questions and familiarize people with it so it doesn't sound so foreign. And, and what do you mean by foreign? Just the, the fact that if you go to your neighborhood public school, the idea of any alternative is, is something that is uncharted territory? I think a lot of it is, yeah, in a way, it's just that eyebrow raise like, oh, you've, oh, you're not doing that. Although I will say, uh, I don't know if it's the area that we're in, but I feel like it isn't anymore as foreign to pick a different option. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think just the idea that we're we're saying in a way like, yes, we understand there's a lot of options over here in the public school. We're going to we're going to go with something that maybe doesn't have as many options to offer, but it has something better or something different or something that aligns better with what we are wanting to do. And I think sometimes in the public school setting, families that are just in there don't even really comprehend the idea that they can make a change and it will be okay. I think that's kind of the foreign part. It's like somebody who, you know, I had a friend who said, I'll never move out of my house ever. I'm going to live here. And I, and to me, I thought, well, you might be missing something that could be a lot better if you just sort of take that chance. And I think that's, that's what I hope that people are getting from this is that, you know, you don't have to, we don't have to stay exactly where we are always because that's the norm. You know, I think it's breaking out of that. Maybe the norm is we're going to do this for two or three years. And if that isn't quite right, it's going to be okay to move over here. And I think that's the part that seems unusual to people. Yeah, Jenny, you know, I mean, there's this kind of this fixated thing in most of our minds, at least mine, I'll just speak for myself. I went through K through 12 public education. Uh, I had the Friday night high school football games and as a, uh, as a young, as a, a younger parent, I just thought, well, that's what you do. You put them on the mm -hmm. bus and they go through public school and that I didn't it didn't even occur to me there was an option. And then when we started investigating it for the first time and someone said, uh, well, hey, you share our values as Christians. We're going to start this little school in this building and it's got 10 kids. Your daughter would be the 10th <laughs> to somebody who has never thought about that before. That sounds really strange. I don't know mm -hmm. how else to say it. I it's think, not, yeah. but it, it sounds strange. I would say, first. I think the the piece that is the tip, the toughest are, you know, we do have a daughter in, a, in a, what I would consider a bigger Christian school, a bigger private school where there are maybe some more options. It's those smaller schools. It's the micro schools. It's the startup schools. Those are the ones that I think are viewed with some more skepticism because people really do have to step out in faith on that. And I think since we were prepared to do that, that the next step didn't seem so tough. Right. Well, I hear what you're what you're saying. I went to K-12 public schools uh, back in Orange County in, in Florida. I, I don't think anyone in my family ever would have gone to anything but a public school. My mm -hmm. grandmother was a public school teacher. Mm -hmm. And and so culturally, like, yeah, sure, public schools. That's that's mm -hmm. just what our family does. Um but then you got to make decisions that are the best for, for your own children. And fortunately, we live in a world where there are these new options, like maybe that traditional Christian school or Catholic school down the street's not a good fit, but these new micro schools and other mm -hmm. options are. So I love that you all are exploring those options as well on the Making the Leap podcast. I read that you all also tackle how the public education system has evolved. And I, I listened to a recent episode with uh, Sam Sorbo, who... who oh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> criticisms of yeah. the public education system. It's it's kind of refreshing, you know. There's just like here's how it is. <laughs> She's tough. 
<laughs> she is but, tough. But a, such a good tough. Like it's just such a, I, there were so many moments through her visit here to the Herzog Foundation and speaking with her for the podcast where, you know, I had to take a, a step back multiple times. And then I thought, well, what about what she said is wrong? It's not wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just, a, it's a little it's blunt. <laughs> it's blunt. That's all. It's not wrong. So, and I don't, right. I don't think we're always used to blunt. Right. And sometimes the blunt kind of cuts through all of that other noise that people mm -hmm. have in their heads of like, well, this is how it's always been done. And this is how my family does it. And these are, these are my options. And I paid a lot for my mortgage. How could I ever do anything except for send my kid to right. the public school? Yeah. Sometimes we need to be shaken up a little bit. Um, I, I think, Chris, I think I heard you say something along the lines of um, in one of these episodes, like basically we're saying that public schools have become fancy rec centers. Um, and, and so I, I'm wondering, like, as you're tackling how the public education system has evolved, do you feel comfortable kind of pointing out the the problems uh, in the in the system? I, I do now, and I used to be like you. My mother was a, a public school teacher. The woman I married was a public school teacher mm -hmm. for ten years. Uh, public school teacher. My great grandmother. We have a, a quilt that my great grandmother had made for her by uh, I don't know a 20, parent. 20 a parent. students. Mm -hmm in a one-room schoolhouse uh, in Missouri back in the early 1900s. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, public school was always something that I loved. I loved it. I really did enjoy my time almost all the way through it. I loved every bit of it. And so it was always, I was nervous to, to speak out against it because I thought I owed it something. And then it occurred to me one day, uh, it doesn't feel that the system is feels that they owe us anything. I don't feel like it's reciprocal. And in fact, I, I'm starting to read and anticipate almost everywhere you go, uh, parents now are almost viewed as this interloper, this uh, adversary, this outsider to be shunned, and that the people inside the four walls of a school, a public school, know best for your kid, and you'll just shut up and sit down and have nothing to say about it. And so I, I hate to say that I've grown more hostile, but I've certainly grown more vigilant, and I start asking myself, what is this public school offering? What are the outcomes? What are the results? Uh, and certainly from a spiritual perspective, is it is it uh, at a minimum, is it not hostile to our point of view spiritually? And the answer mm -hmm. is almost always no, it's actually quite hostile. So we're called to go to battle here, I believe, as Christians. And so in doing so, when you take a look at how these schools are performing, the the, the, the emotional uh, as well as the educational levels are, are declining and things are getting worse. It's clearly eroding for anybody that's paying attention. But what you hear all the time, and this is what drives me nuts, is, well, yeah, but the football stadium or, well, what, what about the dance or gosh, they've got a lacrosse team. I mean, what can your little 10 person Christian school offer? My kid plays lacrosse. And I, it, it breaks my heart to hear any parent say that uh, bringing up their child has been boiled down to they've got nice equipment at the school. I mean, that that's effectively what you hear a lot of parents say now. Well, I, I hate to take them out of the football program. Well, no, you're just you know sacrificing their eternal soul, I guess. But good luck. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, didn't Tim Depot, Tebow play football? Even though he was in like somehow, I think you can make it work. <laughs> I yeah. I, I don't. I just don't understand. I don't understand the notion that uh, you you will sacrifice your priorities and your child's upbringing because he or she has access to a sport. Uh, are, are they going pro? Is that what you're banking on? I, I don't, I just don't understand what the objective is. And, and that's been one of my frustrations. So we talk a lot about, is that the focus? And if it is your focus, are there alternatives? Are there other ways to think about it? 
homeschoolers have taught us so much, Jenny. I know you guys mm -hmm. talk about it on your show all the time. There are people in homeschooling now that are doing remarkable things in their regions, gathering together for activities and competitive sports and art and music and choir. There's such outside the box thinking about education out there, and it is not an all or nothing prospect anymore. So this idea that, it, well, if you want a kid on playing football and dancing or singing or playing golf, he or she's got to go to the public school or, or they'll have none of it or they're, they're not going to be socialized. That's just not true. That's what the show's all about. Well, Christine, how do you approach this as a former public school educator? Like, did you have any kind of mental hurdles to overcome to kind of point out some of the weaknesses in the public system and contrast um, some of the benefits of alternatives? Yeah, for sure. And I think I still kind of hesitate on that a little bit. You have a lot um, of friends who are teachers I do, still. And that's my, that's where I, I do think I, the the most of the teachers I know still they they still have a really a really good heart a, a passion for educating students. The part where I differ is, um, and I I was guilty of a lot of this as a public school teacher. Um, the the idea that we are reaching in a classroom you're you're trying to reach you know 25 27 kids um my goal as a parent is to focus on my three and so that is the part that i had to let kind of take over um i'm not looking to bash teachers who are truly in it to teach and i think that is maybe something that people don't always realize however i know that i taught with teachers that now currently have veered, I'll say left, right? Like, you know, they've gone into a place of um, a belief system that just does not work anymore for me as, as a Christian parent. And that's where I think, well, your, your job isn't to teach children that the, that my parenting beliefs my my moral beliefs are wrong. That's not your job. And I think that's what they think their job is. And so advocacy. Right. I'm there to advocate for my three. They feel like they're there to advocate for everyone. And in doing so pushes my views as a parent out the door. And that is where I really struggled. Um, and that is where I really had to learn to stand up and say, I that's that's not okay with me. You can you can do that for you in your own home, but that doesn't mean you have to come up to me and tell me that everything that I'm believing and teaching my children to believe is incorrect. And with a lot of the material that's in schools, that's exactly what that's doing. So I will say a lot of teachers that I either know or, or know through others, they reach out um, quietly behind the scenes and they're supportive of what we're doing. They won't out loud say it and they won't say it out publicly. And that tells me a lot as well about what the school system is probably doing. Uh, and so that that speaks volumes to me. And in some ways, I take it as a big encouragement. Well, and, you know? and quite frankly, if I may, <clears throat> when we talk with public school teachers who are our friends or who reach out to the show, they sound like hostages, Jenny. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you encounter this in your own uh, time covering this subject, but it, I have. It, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah they, they sound like they're undercover hostages, you know, crying out for help. Uh, we've talked with Christian school uh, teachers who have left public school and become Christian school teachers and are shocked. I mean, it's a shock to their system that they can speak their values and speak about a creator. And, and But it, it's so jarring. I, public school teachers mm -hmm. today who want out, 
uh, but get into Christian school, uh, they are they are uh, almost uh, PTSD or something. Oh, it's and uh, one teacher specifically that I ran into, uh, we were talking. She had left the public school system, a, a local one to our area, and she her husband had been really concerned. Like, you know, how are we going to afford this? How are we going to do this? You're going to take a big pay cut going to a private school to teach. And she said, I'd rather take that pay cut and sleep in my car than lose my soul where I'm at. And if that's awful. <laughs> that is, you know, at that point, you don't even have a choice, right? Who who wants to have that war going on in their body, you know, in their brains and their hearts? And so that says to me exactly what I need to know is that we were correct in number one, being vigilant in the public schools where we still had two of our children finishing up their last two years. Um, but then number two, removing the one that was left because there were too many years ahead where you you still have to stay vigilant. You still have to stay aware no matter what environment you're putting your child in. But there is a piece to knowing I'm not watching for everything anymore. I'm watching for some things. You know? And I, I, um, I would add only that uh, we have two older boys. Our daughter is the youngest and she's the one that's in the Christian school. Our boys, uh, one graduated, one about to graduate. Uh, and this is something I know you've tracked as well. And I talk a lot about our young men in this country. I speak mm -hmm. on behalf of my sons, but also everyone else who has a younger man of a certain age in high school. I think there's a whipsaw effect going on. This this cultural hijacking, this um, boys should sit down and shut up and uh, women can be men and, and men can be women and pretend to compete against. I, I, I think that that is having. Uh, such a profoundly negative effect on our men and young men in this country that I I, I don't know where it goes. I'm not going to predict, but we felt very confident that our boys uh, were so quietly resistive to what was going on in the culture. We felt very comfortable uh, that they had their heads on straight and that they could finish this out in public school. Our, our daughter, though, a little younger and much more impress impressionable, we thought, well, there's there's still time. <laughs> there's still time before she swallowed whole. And so that's why we made the decision for her. Right. I, I know that some would say, well, you should have done it for all three. But that's the okay. that's the rationale. Mm -hmm. uh, well, some some may say are not the parents of those three children. You two. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that comes down. Right. That's the crux of all. of it. It's not about anymore what some will say. It's about what we choose to do based on the Bible that we're reading and following. So. Right. Well, what are you hearing from some other parents that you've been talking to on making the leap? I know that you and I, um, y'all and I have talked about uh, concerns about technology and the pervasiveness mm -hmm. of technology everywhere, but um, definitely in the classrooms and in the schools as well. That's a real draw for me for sending my child to a K-8 school that's like, yeah, we're not so interested in the technology. In fact, mm -hmm. nope, <laughs> you may not bring any device into our school. Um, so are, are you hearing other concerns that parents have, have been having and that's what's drawing them to alternative options? Technology is a is a big one for sure. Mm -hmm. I think that's, but that's not to say that every Christian school option is you know, technology, free. technology free, yeah. right. There, there's still a lot that are. And, you know, I, I think that's the part that you have to be aware of is knowing what is right, you know, making your priorities for yourself. I think we, we hear a lot about sports. We hear, you know, those kinds of things. Well, vigilance is required right. even when you're talking about Christian schools. Jenny, I know, you know, this, I know you've talked about this. We talked about this when you're on the show. Um, it, it is false to assume and we've learned this, it's mm -hmm. false to assume that, okay, we're going to take our kids from the public school that's not serving them well and counter to our values 
and we're just going to uh, throw them in a Christian school. Somebody said it to me the other day. Um, it used to be that people were, uh, prior to COVID and prior to this most recent event, people were choosing to uh, head toward alternative education. Today, it seems like a lot of people are running from public education, and there is a difference. And so people that have been in the space of Christian and homeschooling for a long while, they're awfully suspicious, frankly, of a lot of us who are new. And I don't mm -hmm. necessarily mean negatively suspicious. Mm -hmm. I just mean uh, their guard is up a bit because they say, okay, why are you coming here? Mm -hmm. What What is it you want? Because we have a set of values. You know, we have right. a, 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 a faith statement. We expect certain things from you as parents. If you're just using us as a fire escape, Right. That's not how it works here. Right. Similarly, if you're a parent who just throws your kid in a Christian school and you don't want to be involved, you just say, oh, they're not going to be as nuts as the public school. You're not doing your child a service. And that Christian school, you know, could be just as compromised. And in fact, there are some that are. And we're not afraid to talk about that either. Mm -hmm. I think, too, when you're asking, you know, what are, what's the draw for some parents or what are they seeing? I think it's also the community building. I think there's... Um, I think in a lot of public schools, teachers are overwhelmed. I think administrators are overwhelmed. And that's where I have sympathy for them, for sure, because there is so much that's coming down for them to take on. They are taking on roles that parents should be taking on. And I think the draw pulling people out of that to whatever avenue they want, whether it's homeschool, micro school, Christian school, you know, whatever it is, I think it's that idea that parents want to be parents first and foremost, and they want to be in a community with other parents that want to be parents first and not put all that responsibility on the teachers. And I think that is something that we hear a lot from the people that we talk with is finding that community that matches your own set of beliefs and thoughts. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the services and the training that Herzog Foundation provides before we wrap up with our, our final question. I heard that the it's, the growth is incredible with what you all are providing to educators and to churches and to school leaders. Um, let's let's talk about the training events. I heard 100 training events might be happening in, in 2024. I yeah. think there already are. There's 100 scheduled. I don't know. I would guess actually a few more will probably be added at different places, speaker events, things like that. Um, and they cover all kinds of different areas, marketing, business end of things, education for teachers. I think that's going to be a huge push, um, not just for the back end, for the business piece of things, but also for the teaching end of um, issues that can come up in schools they're across the country, which I think is phenomenal. Their goal, I think one thing that stood out to me as we were talking with somebody recently from Herzog is that they their design is to get to places where people can come who only have you know less than a day's drive, for example, to get to where they're going. They don't just stay put. They're going nationwide, bringing everything out to people across the country rather than just kind of staying here. And all free of charge. I mean, one of the most right. important and significant things, uh, again, thanks to the, the, the generosity right. of Stan Herzog and his vision, this foundation is able to issue these trainings all over the country, as Christine said. So if you can get to a training, it's covered. I mean, if you can get to it, we feed you, we put you up, uh, the, the, the cover, all of it, it's, it's all covered. And there's no, I think a lot of people think, well, that sounds like a timeshare. What's the pay, What's the hook? <laughs> no, 
<clears throat> there is no hook. Uh, if right. you can get to a training, if you're a, if you're a teacher, if you're a principal, an administrator, a board member of a Christian school, and you're you're struggling with things, and you don't you, you have no one to really lean on. The foundation has brought these people from all over the country in these training sessions, various uh, categories of training, as she just mentioned, and they're they're making friendships and relationships, and they're going back to Montana and Texas and Maine and New Mexico, and they're communicating and talking and mentoring one another, and the foundation has facilitated it all at the foundation's cost. And it's just, it's so special to see. We also have, I should mention, at the foundation's website, uh, at the HerzogFoundation.com website, we have what we call School Box. And if you are interested in starting your own homeschool, Christian school, pod school, whatever you'd like to call it, we have an eight-step guide post. Uh, uh, just here are the eight steps to uh, the things I have to ask, the things I know I need, sort of a market analysis. Um, this has been a facility designed to help people think, yes, I can, when they feel overwhelmed that maybe I can't or I don't have the stuff or I'm not equipped. The whole basis of this foundation is to say, yes, you can, and we're going to give you the tools and we're going to give you the resources to get it started or or continue to build on it if you've already started it. It's super strategic, and I think that's what's most important. The mentorship that they have that they have started to put in place to help you know, pair schools up. So this startup school over here can start talking with this school out here in California. And this had, you know, this person who's head of school in California is going to offer suggestions and ideas to the person that might be out in Florida. And that's, again, it comes back to what we talked about with parents, even it's that community building that I think will allow for that growth to continue to happen. And it's just been an amazing blessing being part of something I, not from the ground up, we came in after, but being a part of a, of something that getting to watch that because enthusiasm spreads and it's not just, yeah, you can go do it, but it's, we're, we're going to come with you. We're going to support you. We're going to answer questions. We're going to provide more training as you get to that third step and fourth step and fifth step. And I think that's massively crucial to the success of what's happening here. Alternative educators have felt on an island, I think, for a very long time. And I, I won't say that Herzog is the only foundation and only organization doing it, but I will say that they have made it their focal point. And in the last two years, um, they're going to host regional summits, uh, four state regional summits where they're going to call Christian schools together. I was just down in Arkansas with Governor Sanders and they had the Arkansas Regional Christian Summit. So the Herzog Foundation is inviting all these people to come together and collaborate, in my opinion, for the first time. And so it's it's showing people you're not alone. You're not on an island. And like you said, that's infectious and it can only mean it will spread. And that's just nothing but good news, it seems to me. I love good news. It seems like sometimes we feel so <laughs> mired in the bad news with K-12 education and you all are bringing the good news. Thank you. And part of all that training, there's a Making the Leap Symposium happening in June. So you even get a symposium <laughs> named after you uh, in, all, in all of these uh, for teachers. So that's um, that's an exciting development too. All right. Our last question on the Student Server Systems podcast is always, what is the school choice myth that bothers you the most and that you want to dispel today? Yeah, I was just speaking with some people, um, friends actually via text, and one of them said she was really disappointed in what was happening, uh, I believe in Oklahoma, that they have, you know, they've got some school choice bills that have been passed, and now government is coming in to kind of change some of that and maybe make it look a little different from what was initially intended. So her blanket statement was, 
I'm done. I'm done with school choice. Um, I, you know, I've been where we, we sit here in Missouri and she said, I've been listening to things happening in Missouri and I'm no longer in support of school choice. Mm-hmm. And that, that is the thing that I think for me currently right now, as I talk with people is that it's this all or nothing proposition right from the get-go instead of recognizing it as something that we have to incrementally change and push for. And if something at step B doesn't work, we toss it out because we're not even going to think about trying to get down the road to where it needs to go. And that is something that breaks my heart truly to think, well, (laughs) school choice is the idea that I have a choice and you have a choice and we don't want the government coming in to change all that, but we also have to recognize that it's a process. And so school choice isn't just this instant, let's sign a bill and make it happen. It's a process. And I I worry that people hear one term or one phrase and want to just negate the whole idea or concept rather than look at all the different avenues that school choice truly encompasses. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, that vigilance that we were talking about is important in all aspects here. So uh, people, families, educators need to be vigilant when we're talking Absolutely. about state legislation and implementation of the mm-hmm. legislation, but don't yeah, write Jenny, it all off. Jenny, Sarah Sanders said to me, and I, I mean, it was sort of alarming if you want to be honest about it. <clears throat> she said, uh, someone asked her at the symposium that I was uh, interviewing her on stage and someone raised their hand and said, governor, uh, great. And thanks for universal school choice. But what happens when you're gone? And everybody kind of looked at each other and she seemed a bit stumped by it too. And, and this speaks to what you were just saying. We have to stay. <laughs> no, it, it is fictitious to say if a legislature achieves a governor achieves a universal school choice, then we can just sit right. back and, and not participate anymore. Uh, of, of course not. Mm-hmm. Of course you have to continue to stay vigilant as a, mm-hmm. as a, as a citizen. Yeah. You know? Right. Well, Governor Bush came into office in Florida in 1999 and launched the school choice era there. I think it's some, it's something like 1.7 million students in Florida attend a school that is not their residentially assigned school. Mm-hmm. And think how many governors and state legislators have been through Tallahassee mm-hmm. since he, <laughs> he launched all of this years ago. Like it, it, it can happen. It can continue with different leaders, but yes, stay, stay vigilant <laughs> in all of that. <laughs> all right, well, thank you so much, Chris and Christine Stigall, for joining me today, for hosting me on Making the Leap, and for helping parents make the leap to new education options. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. This was fun. Appreciate it. We hope listeners found today's conversation informative and encouraging. If you enjoyed this episode of Students Over Systems, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast app. That's not just something that I say. Please do consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to share this episode with your friends. To learn more about the work of the Education Freedom Center at IWF, please visit iwf.org EFC. Thank you for listening to Students Over Systems. Until next time, keep celebrating education freedom and brighter futures. 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 Freedom and brighter futures.